All right, welcome back to episode number six of the Unregulated Podcast. We made it this far, and I we picked up another listener, Mike. Um, oh, so I'm your co-host, to, Tom Pyle. We're up to three, and I'm Mike McKenna. And this is Wednesday, October 7th, the eve of the vice presidential debate. And I think we were last <laughs> the together... eve of what? I think we were last together a week ago Monday, and has anything happened... Has there been anything been going on since we last got back we had, together? We had the debate, and we had the COVID diagnosis, and we had uh, Mr. Biden's excellent speech in Gettysburg yesterday, and that was about it. The funny thing is, is the race hasn't changed a bit. Okay, so nothing has changed in the debate. However, should we discuss the debate a little bit? Sure. Why not? What do you want to... What can one possibly say about it? I mean, two doddering old men trying to return soup in a deli? What, you know? <laughs> well, I think there were three because Chris Wallace was certainly Chris not Wallace, one of the greatest 70, moderators of all time. 71 years old himself. Um, it, 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 we have a serious problem in this country, right? The gerontocracy is never a good idea. You shouldn't be ruled by people who are in their 70s. Uh, okay, so uh, we've talked in the past about debates, you know, consequential debates, and I wouldn't put this in the category of consequential, but for the sake of our listeners, we ought to at least de- unpack it a little bit. What do you want to say? I mean, it, it, here's, here's the bottom line of the debate. The president had a uh, several good lines, all of which he stepped on himself uh, by his inability to remain silent for any length of time, right? It, it, if he had just, if he had just dropped the, hey, I've done more in forty-seven months than you've done in forty-seven years, and let that sit out there quietly, it would have been great. If he just said, hey, Joe, which law enforcement groups have endorsed you, and let that sit out there quietly, but he just, you know, he he cannot. He, he's a product of television. He's completely incapable reality television, completely incapable of allowing pauses. Yeah, I understand that part, but I do want to I do want to make a couple of points about it. Uh, of course. It was not entirely without interruption from Joe either. Oh. Nor was it entirely without interruption from the moderator either. It was a train wreck. The the moderator had no control. He he actually I- injected his own sure. opinions. Sure. About various subjects. And, you know, basically, it's... So this is the thing, right? So for years, anybody who's watched Notre Dame football with their fathers um, understands that the old man always bitches about the refereeing when it comes to Notre Dame football. Probably accurately, right? Notre Dame always gets the short end of the stick, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. agree with that, but as a USC alumni, you're a USC alumni? Wow, yes, sir. they're still giving degrees out on that they place. Are. I figured in fact, you just, people are cheating to try and get their kids into the I university. I figured you just paid your money and they you handed you a piece of paper. More recently. <laughs> you know, it's, it's... Although I will say this, I could not believe when all that scandal was unfolding. A, a bunch of money I to go to no USC? Idea. you got to be kidding no, me. I had no idea it was that hard to get into USC today. It, I had no clue. It's not that hard. You, I digress. You were... You were going to close okay, here, with a thought here, about Here's the my thought. Here's my thought. Republicans love to bitch about debates, but don't do anything about it. Just like Notre Dame fans love to bitch about the refs, but don't do anything about it. 
If you have a problem with the refs, go find different ones. Don't play unless you find different ones. There's a bunch of different things you can do. If you don't like the debates, structure them differently. Bottom line is, Trump campaign agreed to this. Agreed to the moderator. I, I'm, this is I ridiculous. You can't complain about the game about the the rules of the game if you you know if you if you wrote them. I actually think it would have been just fine if he let those two talk because right. they were actually uh, you know exchanging, even though they were talking over each other on occasion, they were you know at least attempting to exchange. Yes. Thoughts about various things. One thing that... that and we're going to put the word thoughts in quotes. One thing that uh, Biden has still not done and, and is still staying very consistent is not making any pronouncements whatsoever about anything. Yeah, man. And or reversing previous pronouncements and reversing them again, depending on which audience he's in. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a Seinfeld campaign. Yeah. Let, let me just say one last thing before we go on the debate. Wait, right? I, I want to... but. You say one last thing, and then I'll say one last thing. Okay. Oh, then you ahead. can say one last thing after that uh, if you'd like. Uh, no, or no, let no, me uh, say my thing, and then you can say. I, your I thing. don't really need the last uh, word. I just wanted to say, you know, one of the terrible things, one of the many terrible things that that um, happened because of John Kennedy's um, uh, demise was assassination. Was that um, he and he and Barry Goldwater, who he anticipated running against in 1964 um, in the reelect, had already talked about how they were going to structure the debates, a much better structure. They were going to simply get on a plane, the two of them, fly to some place, get off, stand up on the on the platform. The old Lincoln Douglas debates. Yes. And, right? and have you know have a topic or three topics or five, one side, the other side, rebuttal, some questions, boom. No moderator. I think that would be fantastic. No I think it would be fantastic too. Absolutely. And it would have been great to see it on television. Because it would have been a good model for the rest of the world instead of these static, ridiculous things that are really serve only one group of people. Serves the media. Of course. The media is driving this whole Trump thing because it gets ratings and they get advertising dollars, right? I mean, if you look at what's going on, there's no discussion about Joe Biden. No, none. He's about as exciting exciting as a bowl of cold oatmeal. I I do have one clip. From the debate, because I thought it was pretty. Uh, what word am I looking for? I thought it, it kind of showed. It was I, impactful. I was struck by <laughs> how Trump not only was answering a question, rolling over both Chris Wallace and Biden, but actually following Biden's train of thought at the exact same time simultaneously and cor- <laughs> corrected Biden. So here it is. Number two. Chris. Number three. They said they, it would take. Exactly. No, you're number two. No. Chris, Chris, they said it would this take a miracle is... to bring back. Okay, did you catch that? I did. <laughs> I love it. He's like, number one. You know, the. Number three. Wait, wait. You missed number two. Chris, Chris, Chris. <laughs> that was brilliant. You know, I, the, I loved the, it. The terrible thing about growing up in New York City, um, in a, in a, you know, he had a mid sized family, right? He had four, I think, three siblings. Um, terrible thing about growing up in New York City especially with a large family is, you have to learn how to listen to multiple conversations at the same time. I'm Italian. I totally get it. And sometimes put them on pause for indefinite periods of time and then pick them right back up. Yeah. It's a great skill for politicians. It really is. It was just absolutely funny, though. Like, no, no, you missed number two. And he literally did the hand thing, right? (laughs) Chris, Chris, Chris. I love that. All right. So let's talk about the debate coming up this evening. Any thoughts? What? What should we impart our, our 
three or four listeners about tonight? What, uh, what what should we expect? What's a victory? What's what does it matter? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter at all. Um, nothing in this campaign matters at all. The only thing that's going to change the trajectory of this campaign at this point is probably the um, death or disability of a nominee. Um, and I, I say that not kiddingly. I say it seriously. There's nothing else that seems to change this trajectory. That said, everybody forgets about Mike Pence, that he spent several years on the radio. Yep. I was just going to mention that. He's good on his feet. Uh, much better than you would expect. He doesn't yell. He doesn't yet. It's very, he's got that Hoosier, Midwestern thing going on. He's very measured, very calm. Got a dry he's sense. He's got of, a slight W cadence, too. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. He's got a dry sense of humor. Um, everybody in the middle part of the country has a W cadence. It's, it's, you're born with it, right? Um, he's got a good dry sense of humor. I think he's going to do right well. Um, and, you know, on the other side, you know, the... The senator from California is going to be what she is, right? Um, I'll leave it there. Well, we'll see how that goes. And I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm, you heard all this talk about, well, this is an especially important debate because, you know, she's actually going to likely be the president if Biden gets elected because, you know, Biden's not going to make it, all that other business. I have a hard time thinking of her as president, right? I mean, it's hard enough for me to imagine Joe Biden as president. You know, he 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 doesn't seem to make any sense most times, and you know, he 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 approaches every speech as if it's like the first time he's ever talked on a topic. Um, you know, which like the thing in Gettysburg he gave out yesterday was like all about how we need to be united and blah blah blah. And, you know, Charlottesville changed his mind about you know getting in the race and all this other stuff, and and I'm just sitting there thinking. Dude, you didn't just parachute in here. You've been here for yeah, 50 oh, no. years. Yeah. You're part of the problem, my friend. And I get the I, feeling with, with Senator Harris that she really did just get here. She oh, had, she, she... She really... And no one likes her. She She's going to be... What I'm to, from what I'm told. It's, you know, her, her, it's going to be very difficult for her to be president. That's all I'm sure of, right, if she winds up with that job. And we're all going to have to pray very hard and hope that God watches out for this country because. Well, I mean, I think we have to pray very hard in any scenario. Um, you know, there's just no, there is no like collective sigh uh, come, come whenever the outcome is, quite honestly, because, you know, the other side is not going to accept a Trump victory, period. Um, and, you know, if you're right, then Biden gets elected and that's not going to be. Did I say Joe Overly. Biden? Did I say Joe Biden was going to be elected? I think you've made it perfectly clear to our listeners that you don't give Trump much of a chance to get. I'm re-elected. a huge believer in mathematics. Let's just leave so, it like that. All right, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, but I do want to. Uh, I do want to talk about the COVID thing. Um, I didn't want to talk about COVID at all in I'm this happy, podcast. I'm happy to talk about just COVID. because it's just so painful to talk about. I'm happy to talk uh, just, about COVID. The president got COVID and just like 99.7% or 8% or whatever it is of the people who get it, he somehow managed to survive. Um, right. But I, that part, yes, I agree. What I wanted to, I only want to talk about COVID in the context of the race because it has now become the frame for the race has now been set. I want to play this Trump video that he put out 
and then I want to play a Biden video. Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We're the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world. And it all happened very shortly. And they're all getting approved. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. All right. So there's Trump. Now I want to play a clip from Biden in Miami just to just to show the contrast. And then we can unpack it. Let me also say at the top, my prayers continue to be with the president and the first lady for their health and safety. As they like so many American families, we're dealing with COVID-19. I was glad to see the president speaking and recording videos over the weekend. Now that he's busy tweeting campaign messages, I would ask him to do this. Listen to the scientists. Support masks. Support a mask mandates nationwide require a mask in every federal building and facility and inter interstate travel urge every governor and mayor to do the same we know it saves lives his administration just rejected a mask mandate for public transportation on friday the cia came along and said we need to be protected and they said no i believe that was wrong and not very rational Okay, so the politics of COVID. Donald Trump says, don't fear the COVID. Joe Biden says, believe in science. Is it going to be enough for Trump? Probably not, but it, that's not the important thing of it. The important thing of it is, is that um, the resistance to this particular approach, to this particular um, epidemic is obviously growing, um, you know, if you look around, fewer people are wearing masks. There's large swaths of the country and the planet that are not playing along. Um, you know, and that's not because they're not worried about it. It's just because everyone knows the simple fact that life has to go on. This is the first time in in the history of the world, literally, that we have locked down whole whole economies, whole nations. Yeah, used to quarantine the sick, and everybody else went about their business the best they could. Even during the Black Death, that happened. So Joe Biden says, listen to the scientists. I agree. We should listen to the scientists, but we should also listen to the policy analysts. You know, From which did we have more deaths, the virus or our response to it? And we're not going to know that for about five or six years, but I'm willing to bet right now it's our response we're, to it. We're not studying it. 
they're only looking at the issue in isolation. I, I've gone a l- I've gone around and around and around on this. I've been uh, I spent the summer in places where they didn't treat it the way it's being treated here. Um, that people went about their business. They did they take precautions? Absolutely. Have I been doing that? Yes, absolutely. But there's mounting evidence that we're not approaching this nearly as rationally as it needs to be. And and I know there's an injection of politics in that, but there's a there's a whole lot of of just oversized response. Wow. to the situation. And, you know, I, I get it all the time. Well, you don't know anybody or you haven't gotten it. How would you like to be the one? That's right. That, right? That's that's an important thing. You don't know anybody. You know what? I've had family members have it. And if you didn't know, you wouldn't have known. It was a cold. It was a flu. You know, it it the president on this, like in so many other things, is right and ahead of his time. But his tone is terrible, and his timing is not great. I, I actually thought that this—it was obviously, you know, a video it was pre-recorded and everything else, but it was sort of essence Trump. Yeah, it was wasn't good. scripted. It was like, look, you know, I took, I it went was, out and led. I did, I did what needed to be done. You know, I, you know, da da da. Now we don't know what's going to happen between now and whenever. I mean, oh, he no. can relapse or whatever, and a, the conspiracy theorists out there say he doesn't even have it. Uh, didn't even get it. Um, but I do think that it is really what is, you know, Biden's tweeted this isn't a red or blue state thing. It actually kind of has become that. Well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm perfect. I hope he's right. You know, I hope I hope rationality extends to all places. Um, you know, the president is right in, you know, and his tag was 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 the right answer. Right. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid. And and the 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 folks who want to lock everybody down forever, they want to they want you to be afraid of it. And right. It, it, they, you know, he talks about Donald Charles, all his, you know, political rivals. But I would include guys like Tapper and Cuomo and others in the in, in this in the circuit. They they say everything about Trump is about fear. Yeah. Yeah. How ironic is that? Yeah, it is ironic. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, Tapper sends out a tweet. He's wearing a mask in the break room, and, and he he pointed out that no one was in there, but he's following the science. Yeah, it you know that that's the other thing, right? The science, you know, do masks, um, you know, should masks work? Yes. Um, do what we have now work in practice? I tend to doubt it. And, you know, there's no actual science to indicate that that the way we're using the mask now making any difference. Just like there's no actual data that indicates the lockdowns made any difference. And the thing that I find most disturbing is that nobody in authority seems to be asking anybody, hey, do you have any of that data? Could you show us some of that data? Could you tell us? You got guys like Biden running around, science, science, science. Let's just do the policy analysis really quickly, right? Say we have a million dead, which is catastrophic. Well, we terrible. have 200 million, we have 200 according million. to Biden. Say we wind up with a million dead out of this thing, right? And given the age spread, the age distribution, likely you know, maybe each of those million people will unfortunately lose 10 years of life expectancy they could have expected, right? 10 million years of life lost. Worst case scenario, 10 million years of life lost, right? There's 350 million of us. We're coming in on six months. 
minimum now of life lost for a bunch of us. 175 million life years lost. You know, or you don't like that answer? Let's just say eh, only some of our lives have been lost. Only maybe half of that. Right? So 85 million life years lost versus 10 million. So you listen to the science, that's great. Listen to the policy and the data analysis too. And if you listen to it from that out of that ear through that lens or through that lens, you look at it through that lens, what you see is there's no way to justify any of this. Yeah, stuff. I think that the, the the tragedy with all of this is has become just like every single other thing in our all of our lives. There is no discussing this topic with somebody who is either uh, on the other side of you uh, in terms of your perspective about it, or you know, it automatically defaults to a Rorschach test for how you feel about. Thing, yeah. Whether it's your politics, yeah. whether it's everything else. And that is the it is, drives me absolutely crazy. Because if you talk to somebody who sends an email to you that says, look, this is a super spreader event, you shouldn't go to weddings, right? And then you respond with an article that, sh that shows it from the New York Times, for example, that said that we're these piece, these RCB tests, is that what is that what yeah, yeah, that yeah. The, the, the... they're spinning these things? They're hypersensitive. So they're they're actually collecting COVID cases, infections, not infectiousness. Yeah. And they're they're saying that uh, New York Times even said this, uh, an article from the Times from someone from the Kennedy School, which is supposed to be the holy grail, right? That's what all the, the left uses whenever they attack us when we go after climate change. They, that the professor there said that we're getting 90% False positive. False positive. False positive. Yeah. They're in essence false positives because they're they're if you have a trace element amount, yeah, then you are positive. You have yeah, coronavirus. Yeah. yeah, the test is useless. You're not infectious. You have the infection. And then the media says, This is how many cases there are, yeah. or this is how many deaths there are, because they're not they're not discussing the fact that there's comorbidity. Yeah, like I said, we're and it's driving me up the wall because it's misinformation. It's withholding information, hence it's misinformation. Well, I mean, we're about you know we're it's going to be five years from now before we get through the question of excess deaths and mask utility. Which you know, let's be honest, the, the way we wear masks, they're they're pointless. They're they're sig they're virtue signaling, right? Um, but before somebody actually starts taking a hard look at what worked and what didn't and what we should have done. And in five years, everyone's going to have forgotten, except guys like you and me are going to be like, we were right and you were wrong. And that's just the way it is. In the I meanwhile, don't even want to be right. I just I want us to be right, to be right sizing the, yeah, the, you want the, an appropriate the problem. Response. My and, and, children and, and, and are all screwed up because of this, because they're hearing this, then they're hearing that, then they're hearing this. And, you know, it, and it, they just don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. Like, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? What's the deal? Right. Like, well, they can't go here because of this, but they can go there because of that. And then, like, we don't actually treat each example. It's every example is subjective. Well, right? it, if I go out to dinner with my niece and nephew, my nephew comes back from college. Is he a super spreader? What's the deal? Well, that's OK to do, but you can't go somewhere else right it's 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 too subjective your, your kids your kids are going to your kids are going to take this i wouldn't worry too much your kids are going to take this like americans take this an abject lesson in in the fickleness of government right 
Um, you know, you you guys set speed limits of 55. We all go 65. You guys impose mask mandates. So we wear masks and we hang them from our rearview mirrors. Oh yeah, I've, which got, is, I've got mine. We stick them in masks everywhere. We stick them in the back pockets. We stuff them into various pockets. We take them out. It's, you know, the, as always, especially with authoritarian governments. You know, you guys set rules and we'll figure out ways around them. And what your kids are learning is, is the like I said the the pointlessness of a lot of government back and forth. They they might be learning that, but they're not attaching it to government because we largely keep them off the television. Like we don't have CNN in the background or Fox News in the background. Even or better, like they're that. learning about the they're learning so. about the irrationality of the world in general. Yeah. An important lesson. You're doing a good job as a dad. Yeah, I, yeah, I question that every single day. But all right, I. Like I said, I try not to do COVID, but it has become sort of the 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 closing argument for both candidates, where Biden is up at a podium wearing a mask, and Trump just tested positive and is back at, at the White House, in not wearing a mask, basically. So this is basically what it's come down to. Um, I think it's. I want to go back to what you said a couple of episodes ago because, I hope that it's true. I hope that people realize what, how arbitrary and how authoritarian governments can be in a situation like this. Sure. It is breathtaking to me that the, 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 the way that some of these, Governor Whitmer, for example, yeah. in Michigan, still today swatted down by the Supreme Court, parse words that... Oh, well, I wasn't actually wrong in the application of the law. It was declared, the law itself was declared unconstitutional. Well, Nobody envisioned that you would turn into Mussolini right. and in so, the state of Michigan. Well, and that's, see, the problem is, I've been thinking about this, right? And, and what's, what we're going to see when the state legislatures get back into session in January, um, all these laws were passed under, you know, giving the governor broad emergency authority were passed imagining that, you know, it was going to be um, either in response to a, a nuclear attack, in which case there'd be no civilian authority and they just wanted whoever was alive to be able to do whatever needed to get done, right? Or that it was going to be an emergency of a temporary nature, a hurricane, an earthquake, a real bad fire in one of your urban centers, something like that, right? Something was going to be like, hey, it's going to be real bad for a week and then we're going to be fine, right? Nobody imagined that this stuff was going to be like used, you know, like Gavin Newsom was going to become the, the gal lighter of, of California, right? I think when the legislatures get back in session in January, you're going to find all these laws are going to get revisited and they're going to have time limits placed on them. They're going to have legislative triggers placed on them because the legislatures, they, they were caught by surprise too. They're like, what? We did what? Right. So, you know, in places like Michigan, you know, Pennsylvania, all kinds of places, even California, legislatures could come back in and say, need to kind of crimp that up a little bit because I don't think I like anybody that much. Right? Um, and it's been, it's been, again, like it has been for your children. It has been an educational experience for everybody who's like, hey, you know, governors, you know, guys like that, they're pretty good guys. Some of them have a long, hard, terrible, autocratic streak in them. And, you know, well, not only that, but like these health, these health czars for these various, you know, oh, counties well, you know, and look. states. I mean, what kind of look? Come on. What kind of doctor? The only kind of doctor who winds up working for state government 
they're scolds, they're nannies, right? Oh, they're coming out you too, know, guns every, blazing. Of course, everybody, every every doctor who's got a bedside manner winds up doing family practice or you know working as an orthopedic surgeon or something like that, and they're the people you talk to normally, right? But yeah, you you can't possibly expect a state employee to be anything other than than you know a good little a good little reeducation camp counselor because that's what they all are. Same at the federal level in a lot of respects, right? CDC. The CDC's default answer to everything is don't go out and don't interact with human beings. And when Joe Biden says, listen to the scientists, those are the guys he means. Like, like somehow there was no additional dimension to any decision. Yeah, well, I mean, come, you know, if if he ends up winning, come, you know, when he is sworn in, you can bet that there will be a very, very different outlook when he has to figure out how to generate economic activity Yo, yeah right now there's no downside to to the position that they're taking right yeah that's so. right i mean you know when, when and i'll tell you this too the one who should be criminally prosecuted for all of this is cuomo well i don't why because he basically still is now he's now he's saying he had no 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 involvement whatsoever in the decision to basically like quarantine sick people in nursing homes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, look, it, it, it uh, everybody makes the best decisions they can in the heat of the moment, right? Well, the, I, the New Yorkers are going to have to make their own decisions. I, I don't. It didn't affect me, so I don't care. I grew up in the same neighborhoods as as the Cuomo boys, um, so you know, I know that their dad and them are not the brightest, sharpest tools in the box, right? My old man actually went to law school with Mario. Um, so, um, I'm not at all surprised. New York deserves what it gets. You pick something like that, you get something like that. Yeah, and, and, I just, yeah. and I wouldn't even be that hard on him if he would just own up to it. If, if we all just would own up to our, to our decisions, whether they were right or wrong. Yeah. Right. And then you have a little bit of contrition. You have a little bit of humility and you're that much more of a real person as a result. Yeah, you probably are in the wrong line of work, just so, so you know. <laughs> COVID sucks. That's the, that's my that's my uh, summary. Uh, one of our three listeners asked me the other day whether or not you were going to reveal the party switcher. Apparently, in a previous episode, you had uh, indicated dun, dun, such. Dun. And to prove that we have listeners, I actually got feedback from one of them saying... When is Mike going to reveal the party switcher? All right. First off, you should never get feedback from anybody. That's ridiculous. Okay. Well, I mean, what the hell? It's I got quite... a I got a slack Let... from one of my staffers <laughs> who said, "Hey, listen to the podcast." And who's the party switcher? Well, I, I'm not at. I mean, I'm not really. I don't want to tell you. Is the short answer. Um, but look, let's think about it for just a second. What Murkowski or Mansion? What senator? Who is it? Joe Manchin is not going to switch parties. And I'm not sure anybody's going to switch parties, but if you're the Democrats and you're looking for that 50th, um, you know, it, it, Lisa, it would be probably a good place to start would be somebody who is not a Republican senator, right? Somebody who won as an independent, um, somebody who only has two years left on their term, um, somebody who's about to lose their chairmanship. So you can give them a gavel and that would be an inducement, right? And somebody who's truthfully, um, always been at odds with the with the Republican Party, no matter who was the president. Um, so, you know, you, thanks, Lisa. You put all that together, and you can come up with your own thoughts. 
Okay, well, at least you brought it up, and you don't have to say her name, but that's who it is, in my opinion. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I'm quite certain that I am not the only person <laughs> who have thought of this. I'm quite certain that um, Lisa Murkowski, the senator who, as you mentioned, is term limited. I didn't mention that. Has, well, you did mention that she was a, I a certain that, senator I who was term limited. And she happens to be term limited. I mentioned that it did. That that so a, the good news is, is regardless of whether she switches, unless they give her the gavel, if they, if that is the way that they take over, is she is term limited on ENR, the Environment and Natural Resources Committee. Yeah. She is working diligently to pass a very bad energy bill, which um, we it's call a low the energy bill. It's a low energy, low energy, bill. It's a low energy, energy bill. bill. Yeah. The uh, energy, the, the energy bureaucracy act, as opposed to the energy innovation act or whatever the heck she's calling this version of it. Uh, she's real close to trying to get a time agreement. That's the only way she'll get it on the floor. Um, three things about this bill, just because it is a show theoretically about energy. One, it will for the first time create a GHG, um, a law where they regulate GHGs, uh, and this is in the form of air making refrigerators less cold. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing it will likely do is set some sort of a mandate, federal mandate for wind. There's an incentive in there to create a federal mandate for wind production, some quota that of the some federal sort. government would have. Oh, to? yeah. So yeah. that would be the, a, a nice little opening for her as well. Provision in there uh, talking about how. Uh, the internal combustion engine is a terrible thing. We need to get off of it. This is our this is our senator from Alaska. And then uh, there's some uh, tasty stuff in there about national building codes. Yeah, that's the real problem. So, you know, this whole, you know, I don't know if our, our four listeners understand this, but all senators try to, uh, you know, make an argument that they need a legacy. Yeah. They need some legacy legislation. Which is kind of weird if you think about it, right? Because it, it's a little bit like Joe Biden. You know, what, what <laughs> he's good. You've been there forever. What have you been doing? Where, yeah. Where, what's his legacy legislation? Well, well, I mean, what's his signature? See, but at least the Joe, crime bill? At least sure, actually, that he's running that as is, far away from as true. he could possibly. The 94 crime, crime bill. But, limp away. But, I mean, that's the thing about it. They all love, they all love these legacy projects. And invariably, the guys who want legacies have been like Biden or. Chuck Grassley, you know, guys have been there for 400 years, right? They become middle-aged men and then old men and then feeble men, right? In our viewing, sitting in the United States Senate, like, what have you been doing for the last 40 years? You've been getting a check. What have you been doing? So, yeah, I'm sure it's a legacy project. I'm not really worried about this energy bill. I mean, it's a piece of junk. Um, but then again, you know, most stuff that comes out of Senate Energy for the last 10 years has been junk. Yeah, so, largely. Who was her, the chairman prior to her? I can't remember now. Jeff Bingaman. For the D's, but about, who about the R? Craig? No. Wide Stance? Who? Larry Wide Stance Craig? No, not, not, Mr. I mean, not Mr. Craig. I don't think it was Mr. Craig. Uh, Pete Manichi. Oh, um, gosh. How could I have forgotten? Right. Wow. Right. Um, oh, my. Right. And the last, you know, the last, truthfully, we still haven't recovered from the last time these guys <laughs> oh try to God. help us with an energy bill, right? So, so um, we don't need a national energy bill. Well, and to my mind, the reason why it's not going anywhere is because the administration already already dropped a sap on the on the House version, right? Yeah. 
They just blew it. And up if right Donald away. Trump finds out Lisa Murkowski's bill, I'm sure he's not going to be. No, you know, be, you know so at the and, and let me just it. let me just throw let me just throw a little love out on that, right? The the guy who dropped the sap was um, the guy who was behind. That was Brian McCormick, right? Who's the pad over at OMB? I'm certain that there are people in the White House who are like, "Why are we pissing these people off for no reason?" And Brian was like, "Yeah, this thing could grow some legs on the Senate side. Let's alert the senators that." You know, we have serious reservations. Yeah, the only risk for this is I think the Senate is, it's a huge is largely risk. doing um, uh, nothing other than Barrett's uh, nomination, which is the absolute best thing they could possibly do. Um, the only risk to this thing is, is if, if they do get a number of agreements to it and they have permission to shove it in the big spending bill in the lame duck. I yeah. think that's the biggest threat to it, but I think that's still a pretty high bar. Yeah, I, um, I don't... And I, we want to give a shout-out to Senator Rand Paul, actually, uh, because we understand that he's pretty much said, I am not interested in seeing this bill uh, get to the Senate floor anytime soon for a lot of the same reasons that we, we've been discussing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it it's it's... Crazy and not well thought out, but it wouldn't be the first crazy and not well thought out thing to become law in this country. I think the good news is if we get past this year, if we get past it without without that bill passing, the I think the next person in line is Senator Barrasso. Correct. Which is a twofer in my opinion. Because he's not going to be on e, on the EPW committee, mm. chairing the EPW committee. Yeah. And I think he'll be much more oriented, better oriented on ENR than he has on EPW. I sure. think I'll leave my criticism at that. Sure. Let's just go ahead and say that. So, you know, Leopard will change his spots. All right. Um, I have a clip. I don't know if it's the clip of the day because, quite candidly, I didn't actually find a decent clip, but I want to play this clip. Home run derby here at Petco Park, oh. and he hammers that one. Stanton will watch it fly way out of here. Oh, my goodness. Giancarlo Stanton with a mammoth home run, and the Yankees are right back in it. It's a one-run game. Three All right. The playoffs. Yeah. Well, you know, the Yankees struck out 18 times last night. Um, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how you can be a major league team in the playoffs and strike out 18 times in a nine inning game. It's, it means what it means is for six innings, you failed to put the ball in play. Six innings, you very difficult to imagine how you know you're gonna, you're gonna win. So you my, went right to that. I was, I, I figured we were gonna get to that because this is typical. Yankees well, baseball over the last three, four, maybe five seasons now. I'll, I'll go somewhere else if you want. Let me. No, go, no, it's let, fine. We start no, with no, that. I'll, I'll go we'll start with that. I'll go somewhere else. It it is emblematic. It is emblematic of of a of a failed theory of how to play baseball, and I do not understand why everybody still subscribes to it. Everybody stands around and waits for guys to hit three run home runs, right? And you know they they get all these. They get all these guys who throw fast, you know, throw hard, throw fast, and they, you know, they try to hit home runs. And you know what? The guys who are winning championships are not those guys. The guys who have won championships, the Astros, the Nationals, the guys who are about to beat the Yankees, the Rays, right? They rely on good pitching, mostly starting pitching, right? 
the, the Astros bullpen is not that great. The Nationals bullpen last year wasn't that great. The, the Rays bullpen this year ain't that great. I mean, it's good, but it ain't that great. Um, good starting pitching, good defense. Yankees, second most errors in the major leagues yep. this year. Second most. I guarantee you they're the first team to make the playoffs with that many errors per game. Lots of defense, right? The good teams, timely hitting, not home runs. I get it. Not I'm, home runs. This this whole theory is busted. I don't. And, and I, for the for the literally seven thousandth time, I don't care who's president, but Brian Cashman should be fired. He just is incapable of figuring a game out. The the tolerance level that Yankees fans have for this style of play is gonna is gonna drop pretty rap. Drop as soon as the Rays beat him, um, the, the 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 level of injuries. You you have a team that scrapes through the team you that got you into the playoffs is swapped out for these big guys, and it it they sub look, you know they perform. Uh, the reason I brought that clip, Aaron Judge is a lovely human being because he's hitting he's hitting one hundred in the in the playoffs. Right, one hundred. I mean, I, I don't care if he's if he's Mother Teresa and Padre Pio wrapped up in a Saint Francis of Assisi sandwich. I'm not putting him in that playoff lineup if he's batting 100. I'm just not. Doesn't matter how nice a guy he is. He gets paid a lot. It, he gets paid a lot. He gets paid whether we sit him on the bench or whether he loses games for us at the plate. Doesn't matter. So Stanton, when he's locked in, is unbelievably impressive. That That home run was the biggest bomb I have seen in a very long time. Very, very he cool. Hits- very let me finish. He hits you. the ball. He hits Very the ball cool to watch. Yeah, he hits Very the ball cool hard. to watch. Well, no me... doubt about it. Very impressive. But we don't get him but 50 games a season. Sanchez, same thing. He's He runs into a home run. It's impressive when he does it, but he's just running into it because he's not putting any hits on the board. Yeah. He's got the lowest on-base – Percentage in the history of mankind, probably. Um, he, you know, he's the only guy below the Mendoza line for the entire season. Who starts? It, it. You and me saw a game in Detroit. What two years ago now? Last two, year? It was a double bill. Two years Twin last. Bill. Was it two years ago? Yeah. Yep. In the spring, two years ago, Stanton in the in the in the in the nightcap hit a ball as hard as I've ever seen a human being hit a ball. It went out on a line drive. Probably went four hundred twenty feet. On a line drive, it'd have killed somebody if they'd been standing in the way, right? You remember that? The hardest ball I've ever seen hit. Fifty years of watching baseball, great, super, great fun. That he doesn't make up for the three hundred times he struck out since then. I mean, it's it's. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. This is not a good. This is not a good brand of baseball. This is not what's going to win in the playoffs this year. I guarantee you, the team's going to win in the playoffs this year. Going to be team. Good starting pitching, good defense. Timely Atlanta's hitting. got a shot. Timely hitting, yeah. Atlanta you know, does not live on the match. Atlanta can beat, potentially can beat Detroit. Yeah, they've got the curse of Kershaw. Yeah, I mean they, you know they they they. I don't. I don't. I I, I, I was the lulled into thinking, okay, maybe they've put it together at the right time, and then yesterday's game just reminded me of of all of the problems that this team, structural problems that this team has. It's it's enjoyable to a point, but 
they're not putting wins on the board. They, they, you cannot strike out 18, 18 times, times 18 in a strikeouts. game. You can't. Eight, you can. They did. 18. And then I was going to say, well, they still it was almost only 7-5. to five. You know, the only reason. Yeah. It was 7-5, to five and the Yankees brought the tying run to the plate. Uh, I didn't even watch three of the innings. But when I was watching, the Yankees brought the tying run to the plate no fewer than five times across three innings. And in those five at-bats, they struck out five times. Yep. The only one who continues to to do what baseball players should do is DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. yeah. Every time. He Put does, the ball in play. He does what fundamentally a player is supposed yeah. to do on, mean, you know, the, on the field and in the in the batter's box. Yeah, they got, they got, they got two great kids, right? They got, I, I mean, I think – And Urshel. Urshel is the other kid, right? He's a gamer. I think three kids, right? I think Luke, Luke Voigt, right? He, he doesn't pretend to be something he's not, right? He's not – He's not a contact hitter. He's a power hitter. But he doesn't strike out on balls at in the dirt. He doesn't strike out of balls over his head, right? When you get him out, you earn it. And that's an important difference. I've come to conclude that, you know, Sanchez, Judge, Stanton are a bad influence on Glaber Torres, right? Because he's starting to hit like them, which and is And he's to not say, doing well in the field either. He's, he's made terrible. a lot of errors this and not, year. But not, not I'm trying real hard errors. Not just like, you know what? Robbie Cano, Rob, Robinson Cano errors, Robbie right? Cano exactly. errors, right? Exactly. You know, and you don't care about this, but Horace Clark died about uh, two months ago, right? The great Yankee second baseman Horace Clark. He showed up in 1964. He left in 1975. He just managed to miss the World Series on both ends. Number twenty used to imitate his stance all the time. He wasn't a great player, but he gave it a hundred percent every time. You know what? And that's what pisses me Pete. off. Pete, Pete Rose. <laughs> Go to hell. <laughs> so I, I'm still – I don't think the Yankees are going to – I could be wrong. Well, I'm usually wrong, but I, I don't I, I don't see them winning the World Series. Once they year. get on these strikeout jags, you know yeah. how it goes. It goes like this for five, five six games, except the Rays aren't going to make it. And Boone – Last five days, Boone they're going to put doing us out the, do, whatever, whatever Boone was thinking about swapping the young kid for Hap, like I, I think he was trying to be clever – didn't work out either, right? He gave up two two home run bombs in two consecutive innings. Yeah, seriously. So. You know, the thing about Boone is he looks good on TV and he gives a good interview. He should probably just stick to that stuff. Don't manage the team, really. Just fill out your lineup card, let him play baseball. Don't don't try to help. On that note, it is a wrap, episode six. Look forward to the debate this evening, and we'll be back next week. Namaste. Thank you.